Hello and welcome to Vet Club. This will be another edition of Vet Books. Uh, I feel like we haven't done Vet Books in a little bit. We've, we've been doing some About a week. Stuff. It's been a little more than a week, hasn't it? Did no. we do one last week? We did interstitial edema last We did week. do it. Was it last week? It seemed like it was longer ago. It may have been two um, weeks, but I'm pretty sure it was I last I think week. at the end of the last one, though, I forgot to like prep everybody for what the next chapter was. So if you don't have the book I don't know what or it is. Google, I didn't look at it today. You didn't, yeah, if you don't have the internet or just didn't bother looking it up. Um, we're moving on to chapter 12, which is entitled patient. Outerstitial edema? No. That's a good eye. Good guess. It's patient suffering in the intensive care unit. So it's a pretty happy topic. Um, <laughs> this is. It doesn't sound happy at all. No, that was sarcasm. Didn't catch that. Uh, so authors Matthew Melina and Robin McIntyre. And um, I, I think it's really interesting and, and honestly, you know, just a cool thing to include in this in this book because I don't, and, and this is one of the points they make, we just don't really talk about this enough. It's, it's uncomfortable and um, to just even think about suffering. But that is part of our oath, right, is to relieve, not yours, but mine, is to relieve <laughs> animal suffering. And... But like, what does that mean? Um, so they offer up a few different definitions for what suffering means. There's lots of, I'm sure they, they talk about a couple, but I'm sure there's bajillions plus or minus two um, that are out there that you could find. I think the main point they're trying to make is they want people to expand the way they think about suffering beyond just pain. There are more ways that people and also animals might suffer as far as experiencing, you know, just negative lost my pen, negative experiences, uh, negative sensations beyond pain per se, um, stress, anxiety, fear, um, you know, fear of harm. Even if like I know what I'm doing isn't going to harm an animal, that doesn't mean they understand that. And so that can lead to, to suffering. And then just, you know, not having basic needs met um, can be a source of suffering. And those things do come up and it's more than just pain. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a good it's a, you know, it's a fairly brief chapter. It's just kind of getting you thinking about this kind of mm-hmm. stuff um, because we, we usually are focusing on pain and, and the relief of pain. Not just that. There's a few other things that we do a pretty good job um, uh, of talking about in veterinary medicine. There's not a lot of veterinary research on this. this is, there's a lot of extrapolating because there's more, um, arguably maybe not enough, but more in the human medical world. And yeah, it's easy you can ask. Yeah. And that's obviously like verbally saying, you know, you know, I am suffering from blah, 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 blah. You can send somebody a questionnaire and like, where are you on the the smiley face scale of pain, you know, anxiety, stress, all those other things with the exception of like infants and and maybe young children or people who are otherwise nonverbal. They're, you know, who knows? There's all sorts of reasons why particular individuals, but we can get a lot more information from people. And so one thing they talk about from the human medical world is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, mm-hmm. He's and, a funny guy. Yeah. You like that guy? Yeah. You know who that is? Yeah. Isn't, isn't he the self-actualization guy? I don't know. Maybe. He's the one that said like to be the, the height of self-actualization or the oh, highest yeah. level is to be Self, self-actualized. Yes. And yeah. he's like, people that are self-actualized are like Gandhi, Abraham Lincoln, and me. He sounds lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, self-actualization is sort of the top of his pyramid. But at the bottom are like just physiologic needs. And the whole point of this pyramid, so it's like physiologic needs, safety and security, above that love and belonging, self-esteem, and then that that higher level self-actualization, which they list as like things like morality, creativity, blah, 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 blah. Um, but the whole point being that you aren't able to achieve the higher 
um, orders on the on this pyramid until the the ones below it are met. So um, you are not really going to feel safe and secure if you have a hard time breathing, <laughs> if you are hungry, um, if you are cold, if you aren't getting sleep. Um, it's hard to feel safe and secure if you don't have those things. Um, friendship, family, those things are going to be lost if you don't. So that that was kind of where I think he was coming from in this. They sort of create, I don't know if they've created it or just borrowed it. I'm not really sure. Um, but they have like a sub pyramid within the pyramid or a triangle rather, I guess. Um, but basically just of the physiologic needs of what are, what are those things? And, and those are um, arranged hierarchically as well. And then hopefully they kind of give you a list of like, if you, um, if a patient, uh, veterinary patient is missing this basic need, it will manifest as this in the patient. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of a way to like think about these in, in very basic contexts. So I think, I think that's helpful. I think the other thing that I, they don't really talk about in this chapter, but I th- frequently think about because I run into this a lot when we have patients um, who are suffering and we do in critical care, we deal with patients who are suffering and that that can be distressing for the people who are working with them. And I've had many conversations over the years with technicians, with students, with other clinicians about why are we doing X? Like, why aren't we like humanely euthanizing this pet? Because it's suffering. Um, and, and that's a tough situation for sure. The way I often think about it and discuss it is that while our goal is to relieve suffering, absolutely, um, it's not necessarily realistic to expect that we're going to be able to do that instantaneously and perfectly and quickly. Right. Well, because there's right? the timing. Like, if you have to suffer for three days, but you get to live another twenty years, right? Exactly. Worth it. But yeah, like if you have to suffer for a year to right. live a year. We shouldn't, but we shouldn't like euthanize every child who breaks his arm because he's going to be suffering while that arm is healing. Like, no, that's not what we want. And same thing for our pets. Like there are, um, there are, we, we will put up with temporary suffering. Yeah. We'll put up with temporary suffering. I mean, every time we have to restrain a cat to draw blood, we are causing temporary suffering, but we say that's a trade-off because I need to get this blood sample so that I can figure out what's going on with this so that I can ultimately relieve the suffering. So it's, complex you just need to not turn to the dark side yeah <laughs> but the um you know i can remember a case years ago where we had a, a patient that had like just neurologic science i don't remember what its diagnosis was but the animal was like mentally inappropriate probably spinning in circles just looked you know looked really miserable and a uh, student that was um on the case was just really bothered by it really really bothered by it, it was like I, I feel like what we're doing is cruel by not euthanizing this animal and um and so i spoke with that student and had kind of the conversation about you know it's it's always a risk because a lot of times we don't know like at this point i don't know what this animal's diagnosis is i don't um and it's possible that we will spend the next day or two days trying to figure out what's going on and maybe treat it and it's possible that we will fail and that animal will have suffered for its last couple of days of its life and and that that's what might happen but it's also possible that it goes through these few days of suffering and then that suffering gets better over the next several days to weeks and eventually it goes back and lives a good quality life and when i put it in those terms um you know the student was like okay yeah, i like i kind of get that and um you know it, they did they they heard that had the conversation i think they were still bothered in general by the situation but like 
okay, I, I kind of get what you're saying. Like logically, I get what you're saying. Emotionally, this is still really hard. But then that animal did end up getting better. Um, and that student came back and was like, you know what? You were, you were so right. Cause I don't even think it was my case per se. Um, I think it was one of those, like this animal is suffering and this other, you know, team is not doing the things they should. And that student came back later and was like, you were right. Like I, I was wrong. And part of that is lack of experience, right? Like I haven't seen a case that looked this terrible and then came out of it. Um, right. Cause there's some things you talk about where that's like the animals look horrible and you do one simple thing and a day later they're a hundred percent better. Yeah. There's some really cool things like that. And I think the hardest ones for us to deal with are the ones where the outcome is completely unknown where you're just like, I don't know. I don't know. I know if you break your femur and we can set it and, you know, do surgery and cast, you know, usually don't cast femur fractures in animals, but you know, you get the idea. Like you, you kind of stabilize things and you say, we are all fairly confident that this is going to heal. So nobody is really like, oh, we should definitely euthanize that one. Now, if you can't fix it or it's not gonna be able to get the care it needs, sure, we might um, we might consider euthanizing that particular animal because it's not going to be able to get the, the pain relief and the support and the nursing care that it needs. We make that decision sometimes. But generally people are, are not like, oh, that's ridiculous. Why are we putting the animal through this? They're like, oh yeah, that will heal and that will have a good outcome. It's those unknown situations that I think people struggle with a lot. And I don't necessarily have an answer for that. Like that's hard. Um, but I think one thing that they, they, uh, you know, do in this chapter is try to look at things a little more objectively and be like, let's just list out the things that could be leading to this animal suffering. And what are the things that we can do to try to relieve it? Pain is a somewhat obvious one. And, you know, we should do our best to try to relieve pain. We're not usually able to completely eliminate all pain, but that should be our goal. Like I should try to make this animal pain free. Um, you know, other things like are they able to breathe comfortably? Because, you know, not being able to breathe and having that sensation of not catching your breath is really terrible and very distressing. Or being thirsty or hungry or nauseated, those kinds of things. Um, not getting any sleep is, that's a form of suffering. Sleep deprivation is, a, like, I think it's a form of torture, in yeah. fact. And so, um, you know, th those kinds of things um, at the very basic level we can think about. And there are things that we can do in an ICU setting that can can help and can try to relieve those things. Um, the other thing they talk about in this chapter, which is pretty cool, is studies, um, again, in people, that's where all these studies were done, um, where they showed high correlation between some of those basic needs, like if a patient was experiencing this sensation, they were probably also experiencing this one. Like, and some of those make logical sense, right? Like um, being tired is probably going to be associated with a lot of these other ones because it's really hard to sleep if you're painful or if you can't breathe. Um, those things are going to be related. If you're having a hard time, um, you know, breathing, that's going to lead to feelings of depression. Again, not something we're probably going to be able to quantify in our patients. Um, anxiety, those types of things all kind of relate to one another. And so just remembering that just relieving one um, isn't necessarily going to fix all of it, but trying to relieve one might have far-reaching effects. Like addressing the pain might be particularly helpful in relieving some of the other um, signs or the other sensations that lead to suffering. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll, uh, we'll just kind of, I don't know, just thinking about it. I think that's the key is just thinking about these types of things. Do they have a study where it's like, you can kind of tell if animals are happy, but uh, yeah. do they have a study where it's like happier animals do better? Oh, good question. Yeah. So 
in animals, maybe. Uh, let's see. I think most of the ones they they talked about in this particular chapter were. It's on a little hard because like people, a, but there are those. Tell. There are those for people. Yeah, those absolutely exist in people, and that was one of the things they emphasized here is that it's easier to get clinicians on board to be like, we should definitely try to make sure our patients are getting enough rest because there are studies showing that it leads to better outcomes. Um, it's a little bit like weird to me that <laughs> I need a study to prove that it's going to lead to like, even if it didn't like yeah. my whole thing is even if it didn't lead to better outcomes, like if it were me personally and like, I'm still going to die, but I was at least rested before I did. I don't know. I just, I would shoot like, here are your choices. You can be like miserable and depressed and tired all the time. And then you're going to die. Or you can be in a hospital bed and at least be like well rested before yeah. you die. I don't know. But I'm going to pick like the well rested one. Miserable and tired, release some sort of Fair. hormone in your brain and like some healing hormone. I suppose that's, I don't know. I still, I'm not sure I would choose that path in every, I'd have to know like, how long am I going to, it's like what we were talking about before. How long is this going to be going on? Okay. And what's the outcome and how long am I expected to survive afterwards? But the it's good the news new is panacea the good news is sad. no, the good news is that's not how it works. And the studies um, have actually shown that reducing those feelings um, does lead to better outcomes. So patients who so legally blonde was right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell me more about that. I don't remember that. You don't remember that? Which part? She, well, she's in the trial and she's talking about the Ooh, L Woods. Yeah. L Woods. She's, she's like, oh, she's a runner. Uh, running purses. Oh, like releases a endorphins. Eye. Yeah. And <laughs> makes you happy and happy people don't do that. <laughs> happy people don't kill their husbands. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Uh, maybe not directly um, uh, applicable here, but yes, happy people tend not to shoot their husbands, which should give you some relief. Like you should, that should reduce some of your anxiety. I'm pretty happy. So I'm pretty unlikely to shoot you. <laughs> I got it right. I don't know why that would be sad face. <laughs> um, why are you sad that I'm happy and not wanting I don't know, you to shoot you? Threatened to hurt me. No, I told Everybody you I wouldn't. Heard it. I said I wouldn't because I'm happy. But um, I feel like my feelings are quickly changing. <laughs> you're you're ridiculous. Um, and that was that was the wrong, where's the happy button? Push the happy, the happy one. button. Is it? Yeah, I think it's this one. Hey, listen. <laughs> Close enough. Um, you gotta work. We need to get labels for those buttons. So, um, yes, the good news is um, it's uh, there is not research supporting that being miserable is going to lead to better outcomes. The opposite, in fact, has um, has been shown to be true in people. Yeah, it seems a little misleading, though. It's kind of like if you're happy and in a better mood, then you're already probably doing a little better. Like if you're in a position to be. Yeah. Okay, so maybe I oversimplified that. Not necessarily happier, um, but like these specific findings. Well, just more comfortable. Like if you're able yeah. to be comfortable, then you're not suffering that much. Right, but some of these things are just palliative, right? Like yeah. if I can just relieve your hunger or relieve your thirst, right? So one of the things you ever notice like in hospitals, they've always, they always give you a cup of ice, not water no. for some reason, but ice, that's a thing in hospitals. There's always ice. I haven't been in many hospitals. That's cool. You've been in our hospital a lot, veterinary hospitals, yeah. not human hospitals. I haven't seen any um, ice. But it's funny because even if you're well hydrated, like your mouth will start to get dry and people just, they still feel kind of uncomfortable and thirsty. So I think that's why they give you ice chips. I don't know. That's a thing. Um, so even, um, it's not just feeling happy, um, but it's, yes, you're right. There's probably going to be a correlation that people who are doing better are probably also going to feel better. But when, um, if you control for other things, yeah. 
They I still they still lead to improved things, outcomes. It's like you had a little while ago. It's the hey, did you know patients that look better <laughs> do better? Right. But there's like physiological responses yeah. to like if you're constantly so pain, for example. So this is one that um patients are going to experience if you have a broken leg, you know, or other reasons for pain, you're actually going to heal faster if we um interrupt those pain responses. Like so it's not even like, are you going to live or are you going to die? But you're going to heal better and faster with less pain. So there's uh, a lot of really good studies on the physiologic detriment of persistent and long-term pain. And that's just one example of all these types of things. But like feeling hunger is not necessarily good either. Um, you don't want to be hungry. I don't want to be hungry. I feel like I'm hungry all the time. I managed to, to get past that. But yeah, anyway. I think, yeah, it's really just, it's symptom relief. So you're not like treating the underlying problem, but you're, you're making them feel better in the meantime. And that's all pain control is, but no, that's not all pain control is. That's a big part of what pain control is, but it also can lead to physiologic changes that improve healing and improve outcomes. And it has the benefit of just being a nicer way of doing things. Another thing that came up in the research though, is that most patients in an ICU setting perhaps not surprisingly, um, but have, have experienced most, if not all, depending on the study, experience some of those, um, absence of those basic need needs being met that lead to some suffering. Um, some of them are harder to address than others, like just the dyspnea. Like if you have pneumonia, like that's going to be hard to like, boom, we fix that. But other ones should be like, are you hungry? Okay. Well, maybe we need to talk to the chef down in the hospital. Um, uh, what do we call it? Restaurant, cook, cafeteria, cafeteria. That's the word I wanted. <laughs> I was like, what is the word? Um, whoever's making the food, like maybe we need to look at that. Maybe um, offering people more options or tastier options could lead to better outcomes. You know, um, making sure we're careful about interrupting patients' sleep. And this is something we can do in veterinary medicine is, you know, it's really hard for patients to sleep in an ICU setting when every other hour we have some treatment that we're, we're, bug yeah, we're bugging them. Yeah, and all them. the lights are on. Yeah, and that's time. another thing too is like try to dim the lights. Um, you know, they're in this like super bright fluorescent lights 24-7. That's not normal. That's not natural. Um, those are some of the simple things that, um, that we can do. And so, yeah, I think it's just kind of a, a fun topic and some Fun. It's not a fun topic. It's an important topic and it's a good one to keep in mind and think about. If you're thinking about it, you're probably going to do a better job of it. Um, if you're not thinking about it, then you probably will just sort of forget to prioritize this stuff. Um, so that's really the point of the, the main point of the chapter is think about it. Once you think about it, it'll be pretty logical what you can do to alleviate the, the suffering of your patients. Cool. So that's, that's what we got. So now... Guess what? Oh, it's time for this or that. It's quiz time. We have a new quiz. Oh, yeah. 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 So there's a new quiz. So we're going to be doing quiz time, this or that, where I have prepared some questions for Topher, and he's getting an either or. So I'm going to ask him a question. He's going to get two choices. And we're going to see if he gets it right. I haven't read this chapter at all. He so. hasn't read the chapter, but we did just have a conversation. So some of these things we specifically discussed and some of them we didn't. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you're going to do 
Mm, should I start with the easier one to improve your... Yeah, we're going to start with an easier one. Increase okay. my happiness so I have a better outcome? Yes, that's what we're going to go with. <laughs> yeah, you or sort reduce of... reduce my suffering, not increase my happiness. We'll be more scientific about it. There you reduce go. Reduce your suffering. suffering. Okay. You ready? Ready. All right. Let's make it happen. We got the dramatic music. All right. First question. Who's the author of the hierarchy of needs? Is that Marlowe or Maslow? Maslow. Correct. All right. Next question. Which is lower, therefore more important on the hierarchy of needs? Water or the avoidance of toxins? Water. That is incorrect. Toxin avoidance. You will actually not drink water that is you think is poisoned, even if you're really thirsty. That's how I'm remembering that. All right. Next question. You're 50-50. All right. Which would be a sign of suffering in a veterinary patient? Nausea or anemia? Nausea. Yay, you got that one. Good job. Okay, last question. All right, so you've got two out of three. This is to get a passing grade or a <laughs> failing grade. Right. Um, I'm going to give you two things that you could do to reduce suffering. Which of those actually makes sense in light of what we've talked about? One, change all the alarms in the ICU so that they're the same tone. Or two, dim the lights at night. Dim the lights at night. <laughs> yes. Woohoo! You got three out of four. You passed the test. Oh, sorry. That's the wrong game. <laughs> Which game? Yeah. We got to play our music. Yay. Ding! Pathophysiology. That was good. That was from a backwards, backwards game from Probably, earlier. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that last one, we talked about it. Because you brought it up, though. You brought yeah. it up first. So that was good. So I felt better that I didn't. I was trying not to bring up the things. I wanted to say Maslow at least once, but you were really familiar with that one. So. Yeah. You were more familiar with it than I was. Yeah. I've taken some psychology and a bunch of educational psychology. I, yeah, I guess. Good job. Yeah. I'm not sure about the toxins and water one though. That's how it makes sense to me. Like you want to avoid toxins more than you want to be th like if, if your thirst overrode your ability to, or your need to avoid toxins, you would drink poisoned water. Right. So but yeah. if someone's really thirsty in the ocean, they drink salt water. They're not supposed to. You shouldn't. That's, well, that's dumb. That's, that's allowing the, their cognition to overcome that. Right. Yeah, they shouldn't. They yeah. yeah. So the I think, lowest I think, level but of but animals Maslow. won't do animals won't do that. Animals. People will do that because we will say I can logic my way through this. Blah blah blah, and they'll, they'll make dumb decisions. Animals won't do it. Animals won't drink water. salt water. They won't drink salt water. Yeah. If it's got no, you should be. I kind of look at like that. poison as being a higher level of thinking. It's like water need water. Right. Water. But that people will use higher order of thinking to overcome that basic instinct. That's why people jump out of planes. Yeah. Like you shouldn't or fall. Well, off I'm cliffs. thinking it's like. You don't know if something's toxic. No, but if it has, like if you taste it, you're like, wow, that's got a ton of salt. That should turn you off from that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's how it goes. That's why like they, you don't I eat monarch butterflies. I'm going to. You disagree I'm gonna with do, it? I'm going to go to arbitration for that one. All right. All right. That's okay. You passed anyway. It's a passing grade. This is a pass fail. So your grade doesn't matter. You're, you're that student right now. You know that? Yeah. I don't think you get a cheer for that student. At any rate, you did, you did well on the quiz. This made up quiz. Mm -hmm. But uh, so anyway, that's uh, chapter 12. Uh, thanks for listening. Next time will be chapter 13. Brace yourselves for this one. This is illness severity scores in veterinary medicine. Anyone who knows me knows that this will be uh, two fun, hours. A fun time. <laughs> there will be some soapboxing. Just be prepared. Yeah. It's a good chapter. Um, so illness severity scores will be uh, our next book club. That'll probably be in the next week or so. We'll catch yeah. you next time. Bye.